Hey guys, Press Gallery host Emma Graney here. I'm back. Hooray! Uh, another quick reminder to subscribe if you would be so kind. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever else you happen to podcast. If you like what you hear, do leave us a five-star rating. It really does help. And also recommend us to your other Alberta legislature politics nerdy friends who we love very, very dearly. As always, any questions, comments, or concerns, you can hit me up, shoot me an email, egraney at postmedia.com, or find me on Twitter at Emma L. Graney. Enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I'm your host, provincial affairs reporter Emma Graney, back from a break and I'd completely forgotten how to introduce the podcast. So thanks guys for your help. It is Friday, February 15, 2019. And this is the you can't handle the truth about jasonkenny.ca edition. With me today, I have my fellow legislative reporter, Claire Clancy. How are you, mate? I'm so happy you're back. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm great. <laughs> I know. You've really had to do an awful lot on your own. But it's, you? it's so nice to have the team back together. Hooray. <laughs> Keith Ryan, our uh, politics columnist. How are you, mate? I'm good. I'm also back from a little holiday. Not yeah. as far as India, but... Yeah, you and I. I yeah. thought about that. Yeah. I'm so happy to see both of you. I know. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Sarah O'Donnell, who took over hosting duties while well away. Thanks, Sarah. You did a great job. You're welcome. And I was just, I couldn't stay away. I was like, I got to come back on. How can I get back on? <laughs> oh, now I have to be a guest. So well, you, start, you started this podcast, of course. It is your baby. I did. It is my baby. And it's I, I like up. to visit it from time to time. Yeah. It's growing up. It's going to high school. Soon I know. it'll be married. It's interviewing other, off to college. It's interviewing other people in the press gallery interview. It's just fascinating how it's growing up. <laughs> So we have, obviously, nothing happened this nothing week. Nothing happened this nothing week. Happened. This is going to be a struggle. It's really, really yeah. hard to dig up something to talk about at all. A I don't even topic. think, there's actually so much, I don't even think we get to talk about oil this week. No, we nope. don't. This is the most we're going to talk about oil on this on this podcast. I'll see what I can do. I'll see <laughs> if I can change that. He's going to try and crowbar it in there exactly. somewhere. See, nice. I just did. So basically, you know, an election is coming when, Alberta. Welcome back me, I guess. Uh, there's been a ra- – there is so much to talk about this week, so we've had to kind of pick and choose a few things, and I suspect this is going to be an ongoing trend as the election ramps up. Um, this week, though, we're going to talk about a raft of new UCP policy promises that were unveiled by UCP leader Jason Kenney this week. We're also going to talk about a website that was unveiled by the NDP merely half an hour later, as it happens on the same day. And we're going to talk about why Alberta Party leader Stephen Mandel is in hot water and what he's planning to do about that, which, if you can believe it, only happened less than a week ago, a week ago-ish at this it point. It feels so long ago. Yeah, but it was, it was, ago. A, it it was, was Friday night. Talk about it was a week ago Friday night when I called Claire and said, hey, <laughs> yeah. what are oh, you doing? Hey. <laughs> I was doing nothing on a Friday night, as is my life. <laughs> so, But first of all, I do want to kick it off with um, the, the UCP has some policy platforms here, which is kind of a big deal because obviously an election is coming and this just really goes to, goes to prove it. So I want to go first um, into what the UCP has unveiled as promises if they are to form government after the spring 2019 election. Now, this is being recorded on Friday, as I said. This happened yesterday on Thursday in downtown Edmonton. I got to go to that event. Jason Kenney had, um, had a press conference in the UCP election office, which I didn't know was a thing. It's all very, very, very new. 
Very new and very, uh, very kind of, I don't know, party election vibe to it right now because it's they've just come in and stuck up a bunch of signs with sellotape on the doors and that. <laughs> They're Love not it. official. They just printed it off a printer. Right? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So Jason Kenney is billing this as a whole whack of democratic reforms if the UCP is to form government, as I said, in 2019. There's a whole whack of stuff in there. Um, Sarah, do you want to go over what he did? Yeah, I, I I happen to have well a list of some of the things here. Things and we can, out. I, I did. I wanted to Good make job. sure that it was a comprehensive, a comprehensive list. So um, in the news release that they sent out, they included a whole range of things that, you know, instantly started newsroom chatter around me. Anyway, so establishing a fixed election date. So even more fixed than the election window that we have right now would be one of those ideas. Allowing free votes for MLAs on everything not deemed a confidence vote. Just or gonna interrupt you for yeah. a second when they said that yeah. i just got free voting oh. you know and it's yeah. been in my head now yeah. and i'm so sorry okay well now it's all in our heads <laughs> yeah. now too i'll never yeah. hear the words free voting new theme song <laughs> okay. you're welcome um, so free votes more free votes uh this was stopping floor crossings yep. by requiring that mlas resign and seek a by-election before they can change parties stuff about improving decorum in the legislature specifically not desk thumping <laughs> and then also recall uh did I, I haven't mentioned recall yet which i actually think is a really important point to talk more about the idea that um if uh, voters are constituents don't like what's happening, uh, they can try to recall and force a by-election. Yep. Um, so those are just some of the things. Long list. I could go on and on and on. I will stop so other people can get a word <laughs> in edgewise. You're right. And there's also um, limiting one-person donations or one-corporation donations oh, or yeah, one-body donations on to yeah. political action committees or third-party advertisers and then stopping unions or employee organizations or corporations that are legally affiliated with a party from forming or being involved with any packs or third-party advertisers. So that's very much directed at unions, um, which is kind of a stick that's in- Well, specifically the Alberta Federation of Labor. Yeah. Alberta Teachers Association as well. Um, I mean, they've basically registered as a third-party advertiser. So mm -hmm. that's a whole another part of this. Keith, were you, you, you came along with me to this. I did. This I was there for most of it, yeah. Yeah. Um, were you surprised to see this, uh, that it was a whole, that it was such a, you guys can't see this right now, but I, I'm I'm making a big balloon with my <laughs> arms. Are you surprised with how broad this was? Yeah, it was quite a package. Uh, we had sort of heard ahead of time that it was probably going to be uh, a bit on recall legislation. That was going to be the main yeah. thing. But then Jason Kenney comes out with a ton of, of other things. A lot mm -hmm. of these are, are well-worn nuggets of the, of the, you know, the conservative parties in the past. The Wild Rose certainly raised a bunch of these in the past. Uh, the Reform Party has raised these in the past. Uh, none of them, none of those parties obviously got to implement it because they never formed government. But these are sort of things that, you know, basically say to, to voters, uh, you can hold us accountable. We're going to give you more mechanisms to uh, to um, to hold us accountable, to make sure we live up to our word, and to make it much more difficult for politicians to kind of change their minds, cross the floor. That was another one, right? No, no, no more floor crossings, yeah. right? That was if it's even possible to do that. So these are things that I think are very easy to propose as an opposition party, right? They sound good to the electorate. I think they're much harder to live up to in government. And I, I do think that there are t some of these things, if Jason Kenney actually implements them, there's going to be times where he may regret some of these things. There may be times where they just repeal it. And that's the thing people need to remember. They can legislate whatever they want. They can also repeal it at any point that they want as well. On that point, another one that they promised was um, Senate elections. So Jason Kenney has 
has promised to revive the Senate elections in Alberta. And I said to him, yeah, but I mean, you have zero control over what the federal government does about appointing said senators once they've been elected. And his answer was, yeah, well, Andrew Shearer's promised he would. So yeah, yeah and, but, it's, but. <laughs> and it's a way, it's a way, it's yet another example of, you know, pitting the provincial government against the federal government. Yep. So the federal government doesn't pick who, you know, Albertans, I'm putting air quotes around there, want through this referendum. And they can say, oh, look, they're not listening to Albertans. It's just, you know, it's, it's another trope along that line. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting, Keith, you kind of raised this point there about bringing in stuff that you can't necessarily legislate. So let's take floor crossings as a prime example of this. I mean, floor crossings are an integral part of the Westminster system. And in Manitoba, they actually did bring in a law and say, you're not allowed to have floor cross anymore. And there was there was some kerfuffles around that because constitutionally, you can't just turn around and say to someone who's a politician, oi, you have to be elected, you're elected as that party and you cannot change. And even Jason Kenney said, look, we're, we're not going to actually legislate that. That's not our plan because, well, you kind of can't. So what we're going to do is once the uh, legislature reconvenes, if we form government, we're going to make everybody do a little pinky swear. I'm paraphrasing everybody. We're going to make everyone pinky swear that they're not going to floor cross. And if anyone tries to cross to the UCP, we're going to say, nah, you can't. We're not going to have you. You have to go and have a by-election, which is kind of interesting because a by-election costs a ton of cash. So he has no problem if somebody wants to leave their party because they've lost trust in it or lost faith in it or whatever and sit as an independent. He said everyone should have that right. Of course they should. That's that's completely legitimate. That was the word he used, legitimate. But they shouldn't be allowed to f- to join other parties. So I said to him, yeah, but I mean... Let's look at the UCP. Every single one of you has crossed the floor, Mm -hmm. every single one of you, because none of you were elected under the UCP banner because the UCP didn't exist in 2015. Yeah, I was going to ask, what was his answer to that? His answer was, yeah, but it was was um, conservative conservative MLAs joining a conservative party. And I'm like, yeah, but you still crossed the floor. And he said, yeah, but it was a lot of this kind of conversation. He said, yeah, but they did so with um, the membership of both conservative parties gave the okay to this deal by 95%. I said, no, but only half of the membership voted and that's not even all the constituents. And the point is it's constituents who should have the say, not the party membership. So for them to turn around and say floor crossing is bunk, oh, except when we do it because we create a whole new party, but it's fine because the membership said it was fine. That's bollocks because the whole constituents didn't say it was fine, did they? It was just it was just half of the membership of the parties gave it ninety five percent of the vote, which isn't even ninety five percent of the entire party membership. Yeah, I, I mean, of this package of proposals, I think that one is the most problematic. Just for the the point you raised, also, you know, should let's say there's a minority government situation and somebody from let's say the Alberta Party wants to walk across to the UCP, which would give the UCP a majority, is Jason Kenney going to say nope? You got to have a, a by election at that. Yes, point. he is, Keith. Yes, <laughs> yeah. he is. I, I I do wonder that. I think that'll be an interesting test. And what about MLAs that are kicked out of their parties, not the ones who leave voluntarily, but are kicked out? Should mm-hmm. they be subject to this this uh, this pact as well? That they they have to go then run in a by election if they want to join another party? That seems a little unfair as well. And you made the point to Jason Kenny. People are elected as private members. Exactly. That, private as members, people, not yeah. not as party members necessarily, right? So you're electing it, a person, not a party. When you cast right. a vote, you are casting a vote next to a candidate's name. You're not casting a vote next to UCP or NDP 
or Alberta Party, you're casting a vote for Jason Kenney or Rachel Notley or Stephen Mandel. Right. Despite what people may have in their hearts when they vote, yeah. they, in in our Westminster system, it's a person. And that person under that system is free to join any group they want in, in the legislature. I think with the floor crossing issue, especially, it kind of plays into this narrative right now that the Alberta Party is bringing forward about and also some of the independents about the idea that um, they're basically accusing the NDP and the UCP of targeting smaller parties and not giving yeah. them, um, you know, the same. Uh, there was this issue at committee earlier this week about fu funding cuts um, to smaller parties because of changing the official party status to needing to have four MLAs. But I think like some of these rules, if they affect um, smaller Smaller parties, it kind of flies in the face of maybe what we've been seeing in the legislature, which is that we've seen so much change in terms of the makeup over the last year. We've had so many people turn into independents. Um, yep. You know, the Alberta Party grew its caucus. Um, yeah. And oh, yeah. We, little, uh, we, yeah, independent yeah. corner just keeps exactly. on growing. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it is an interesting point to raise that, um, you know, during that committee meeting, one thing that Clark said was, you know, we're seeing more uh, small parties, we're seeing more independents, and that's perhaps that could be a trend. I'm not saying that is a trend, but preventing floor crossing would kind of kibosh that. But of course, Alberta does have a rather storied history with floor crosses when it comes to the Wild Rose Party. You know, I mean, that did erode uh, faith in democracy, perhaps a little bit, one might argue, <laughs> yes. um, in Alberta when there was that giant floor crossing from the Wild Rose to the PCs at the time. But Prentice very quickly called an election, you know, so true, he, true, it, he did, and yeah. it was, it, it did end up being almost a referendum on that, you know, to, to his detriment. But even prior to that, I think that people, some people were like, well, other than that, well, there's never been floor crossings. Well, they're forgetting Alberta does have a long history of single floor crossings. We had the former Speaker of the House, Gene Swazdeski, who was elected as a liberal and then left the Liberal Party, sat as an independent, and then moved to the Progressive Conservatives, where he spent, you know, a bulk of his political career. We had Raj Sherman, who was a Progressive Conservative, was a cabinet minister when he was... Uh, out of caucus, out of the, the party, then he became a liberal and the leader of the Liberal Party. And both of them were real. You know, someone's like, you never get reelected as a floor crosser. Well, those two examples show that that is not true. Certainly in the last election, most of the people who crossed from the Wild Rose to the Progressive Conservatives did not get reelected. But it's just it's not that simple. And that's not the only example in this province. So um, and again, that's because you're electing the person, mm -hmm. not the party. And that's what it boils down to. I think the recall stuff is is that's where, you know, as an editorial board, I'm hoping we're having yeah. it, it is it is interesting in the past. Um, the editorial board of the journal has had a position that um, recall is not the way to go. Uh, the reason is that the, the logic, I think, having lived in the states where there, you're in a constant election cycle, every two years, if you're a city councilor or a, or a, or a state, state assemblyman, different for senators, of course, but it's just this constant, constant election churn. And there is zero stability in any way. But we do have elections. And especially if you put in a fixed election date, well, four years is not a particularly long time. If, and then that gives the voters the opportunity every election, that's a referendum. I don't know that it's particularly useful um, or fiscally responsible. And I know democracy should have no price. So please, you know, <laughs> don't tweet me about this. Um, to do that, to, to constantly be like allowing for by-elections and that constant distraction um, where when you know that, okay, well, there, it's a four-year window. There's a reason city council races, they were three years, 
they found that that was not stable. They've extended that now to a four-year window. And there's a good reason for that. Yeah, I I agree with that. I, I think this is also a, an, a potentially problematic policy. Jason Kenney has set it at 40%, right? That's the trigger, right? 40% of a constituency. Mm, it's based on the BC laws. It's based on the BC law. 40% right of a constituency would have to sign a petition and then you could fire, quote, he put it, fire the MLA and, and force a by-election. Uh, I suspect if it gets into that case, uh, the MLA in question would probably resign. And I suppose <laughs> but, that we haven't seen right, in but, BC an endless series of you know, recall no. recall elections. I certainly think there have been a number of recall drives, but not that hit the threshold. That's right. I think there was only one that did, and, the, and that MLA did resign. So it is a very high yeah, threshold. He resigned before. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, resign yeah. and we kick out. He's like, oh, I'm just going to resign. That's right. Although I do wonder if a potential no, for- a, the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder if a potential for abuse does happen here. You can imagine a scenario perhaps where, you know, in, in, in the case of an NDP MLA who maybe won barely because the vote was split, uh, among the conservative factions in the last election. And if those conservative factions got together and could somehow convince 40% of that constituency to sign, just for partisan reasons, just to get the NDP MLA out, not necessarily because that MLA has behaved badly, uh, you could see theoretically that being used uh, for for uh, purposes in, in which it wasn't intended. Especially in the age of social media. Exactly. Um, no one would ever go out of their way to do something like that. No, no oh, exactly. Clancy, bless you. <laughs> did, did they say, would, would these democratic reforms be Bill 3? Because earlier in the week, uh, Jason Kenney talked about how uh, he, he gave some a bit more meat to what he described as would be the UCP's Bill 2 if they formed a government. Right, labor reforms. Right. Yeah, he didn't say this and would be minimum. Bill 3 necessarily. Well, no, okay. no, no, because some of them... Some of them, for example, the pinky swear about no mm-hmm. floor crossings, that's not a bill, right? Right. And then uh, the one about PACs, um, for example, would be under a different act. It would be to do with the Election Financing Act. And part of this also, they want to rejig the Taxpayers Protection Act and introduce a, a line in there that says if there's going to be a carbon tax, we have to have a referendum first. So that would have to be a different bill. Like You can't. I think it's too, it's too higgledy-piggledy to be under the same bill. Do you know what I mean? It's worth saying, though, that like right now we do have several um, promises from Jason Kenney. Yeah, they've been do. they've been starting to roll out their platform. It looks like so we've seen first bill is going to be repealing the carbon tax. Um, bill two is labor law reforms, including uh, you know more open liquor laws as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, and then now the democratic reform uh, rules. So I think and he's also said they're going to create the Ministry of uh, Red Tape Reduction. And so you know it's kind of interesting because we're seeing this slowly now roll out from the UCP and uh, the election hasn't even been called yet. Which must please you, Keith, because you'd been asking for policy, <laughs> as I recall, from your columns. There's been a few where it's like, come on, man, let's okay. go. Let's hear it. Let's see it. So part of this is Jason Kenney is planning to implement reforms right away, right? He said he's not doesn't want to get bogged down in consultations, wants to move right ahead into some of these changes. So I, my argument is if that's fine if you want to do that, but you better give Albertans pretty clear information well ahead of time so they can have a chance to digest it. Do you think they're trying to fill the vacuum, though, for what they knew would be a, a attack on personality? So, and that's, an, I guess, the next topic that we wanted to go to. So yes. I'll let you. I'll let you talk, Emma. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. I was just about to move over to that personalities. I was going to say this is going to be the cleanest, kindest election where so everyone's nice. going to be so nice and lovely to it's each gonna other. It's going to be like it? basically an election of Care Bears. Everyone's yeah. going to be cuddling. There's going to be lots of love and rainbows, maybe yeah. some unicorns. I don't even so know nice. what we'll have to report on. So. No, it's going to be just delightful. So yesterday, 
Uh, the NDP. Well, Brian Mason specifically, uh, retiring NDP. Telling that it was him mm. and not the premier. He unveiled the website. Keith, did you go down to this? I after did. The I was a few, You must have really run between. I, those I, I ran. I got a bit of exercise yesterday. It was about a. Uh, it's about ten blocks between the uh, Jason Kenny <laughs> announcement and uh, the Brian Na- Mason announcement. The Kenny was at one p.m. and Mason was at one thirty p.m. <laughs> yes, so I did make it just a few minutes late um, and uh, caught there. Got there for the announcement and yes, that basically the the NDP has decided to launch a website called The Truth About Jason Kenny. Dot ca. Yes, for those who who want to check it out. Uh, it's basically, it's an attack website. It is um, a, a whole history of Jason Kenney's uh, past foibles, uh, some more real than a man, more imagined than real, but uh, uh, a, a whole uh, history of his uh, past activism against uh, uh, gay marriage, against uh, abortion, and then some more of the the recent scandals or investigations that are going on towards the UCP, uh, some of his record in parliament as a federal cabinet minister. It's all there. Uh, The NDP says it's all well-sourced. It's all linked to actual news stories. But of course, they do it in these very black and white white stark tone sensationalist headlines red. blood red <laughs> accoutrements red. all over the place unflattering photos unflattering yeah. photos photoshopped uh you know with a, a woman with tape over her mouth or tape over her eyes to you know show that she's being muzzled or or hurt by jason kenny in some way uh he's his eyes are very dark he almost looks kind of devilish or demonic in, in a couple of the photos it's uh it's something that carl rove would be quite proud of if you prefer <laughs> to bring a name out of the past but Our colleague Dave Breckenridge, uh, I think, described it as the politics of fear. The politics yes, of fear, yes, exa- to, exactly. Yeah. And so, he also thought it, it looked like uh, some some of the things that uh, that Rebel Media. It, it yeah, that was the uses. first thought I had. I was like, wow, this did they hire in terms Rebel of Media? Their campaigns, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, exactly. sorry, I'm just picturing. I'm just picturing like <laughs> the, the NDP reaching out. I think, I think we influence. can safely say that no, that that didn't happen. <laughs> but, but it is uh, it is certainly. Oh, but what a beautiful image. I mean, and, and we have seen parties on all sides of the aisle use this kind of stuff more in federal politics, yeah. I would say, than in um, than in provincial politics. But it's a. Uh, it, it's it's quite I mean lots of links linking back to news articles uh, that they say they say back it up. Um, it is well researched. There's no new information on the website no. though either. Just I no, think that's important to emphasize. Yes. There's nothing scrolling through it yesterday. None of this was new either um maybe they'll update it with new things i don't know yeah i mean if you want a whole if you want it all in one place if you've just been hearing bits and pieces about how jason kenny is an awful person then you can go to this website and it's all there for you uh some of it though it has to be said that these these are just in the investigative stages you know and kenny and the ucp have denied a lot of the allegations there's some things in there about the party and various scandals they've had like rick mckiver's ethics uh ethics infraction several years ago Jason Kenny wasn't, wasn't even that around really? at yeah. that point, right? But they're he was they're a PC pinning at the time, he was PC at the time, or even not even in uh, provincial politics. But they're pinning that on him as well. That's included. This is you know going into the election. I'm trying to capitalize on the fact that when the indications that Rachel Notley personally is very popular, Jason Kenny is not popular, even though less popular, anyway. less popular certainly, and so the party is more popular than the leader in that case, and. Uh, we have seen elections turn in the past in Alberta on um, 
socially conservative issues, right? Where the where the Wild Rose Party, for example, they they looked okay on the fiscal side, but it was the social issues, the lake of fire, that ultimately did them in. And I think this is the NDP trying to, you know, but but they're starting with that. That's what surprises I think, me. And yeah. I think that's what um, my first thought in seeing the website was that it seems more so what like I expect an opposition party to do in mm-hmm. terms of attacking oh, definitely. the government. And I think that's what's so interesting is that the government, in terms of how they're going to campaign, you expect them to hold a certain standard, especially mm-hmm. starting off, but it immediately goes into this yeah. attack phase. And right? let us not forget, they haven't even called the election yet. This no. is the kind right. of thing that gets right. that gets peddled out halfway through an election exactly. or maybe at the beginning, you know, early on in an election campaign, period. Yeah. Not not and, Before an election's even been bloody called yet. And you're doing all the things that in the past the progressive conservatives were criticized for. I mean, even down to, you know, an event that involved children yesterday at the TELUS World of Science. In the past, Alison Redford was certainly vilified for holding campaign events at schools before an election was called. Um, vilified might be too strong a word, but, you know, it was certainly noted and commented on. Um, and so that's, that's, I mean, these are all great things that they're talking about, but is now the time? Is it appropriate? Why weren't they doing these things in November? The Telus World of Science funding was in the budget. We knew that it was going to be happening back then. And it seems it does seem a bit like desperate. I don't know. It just seems as it though, is. and it mm-hmm. seems as though, what an easy give to the UCP who can now turn around and say, "Look at this incredibly awful website they made about our leader that's attacking yeah. him." Like it's just, I, I don't know. I it know. Is, we know that. Negative campaigning works. We've seen it. Um, we, you know, there, there is there is a reason they've done this. Uh, on the other hand, though, I think it works better for the right wing conservative parties. It comes off a little different among the left, like among the NDP. I mean, this is the party that you know stands up for the rights of the downtrodden, protects the the less fortunate. Uh, they become the schoolyard bully. This is clumsy. This is mean spirited. This is just bad tactics. I think. I think this is. I, I understand they may feel like they need to fight fire with fire and and really go after Jason Kenney the person because there is some vulnerability there. But I think fighting fire in this case is actually going to it, it's going to backfire on them. I think it is actually counterproductive. It gives. The it makes Jason Kenney look sympathetic, if that's even possible. And, and we saw that video that they've released too of the average Albertan reading the website he, and uh, saying Clancy did put air quotes around average. average air quotes are very popular <laughs> yeah, today. They're just there other followers. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, yeah, and that video, re- people reading the website and saying like you know that he's unbelievable. Again, I'll use quotes with that. Um, <laughs> you know, and we it's basically to form that narrative of people can't trust Jason Kenney. And I think, um, yeah, again, just it's an attack video to go along with the website um, that the NDP tweeted out. Jason Kenney obviously knew something like this was going to come because how long has he been saying, you know, the the NDP anger machine, you know, the over-caffeinated lefties anger machine kind of thing. And then he's used this thing of personal attacks and and he's kind of almost set the scene for this. Then when he was asked about it yesterday at his press conference, because they kind of happened concurrently, he said, oh, this is exactly what I've been talking about for such a long time. Right. They're just a big bunch of meanies and the NDP is so mean to me and the UCP is going gonna, is gonna to go above that. We're going to be above that. We're not going to do these personal attacks just like the NDP is doing right now. Mm. And that's the thing is if you... <laughs> I don't think that that's true either. But Sarah you... has a, yes, very <laughs> yeah. much a disbelieving look on if her If you face. look at yesterday though, that's... I 
think yesterday, what an interesting day because yeah. honestly, it's Jason Kenny rolling out inter- like interesting platform points for people to debate. Yeah. NDP holding a news conference about an attack ad. Yeah. And like, I think one of the things that people liked about the NDP, one of the reasons Rachel Notley got elected was that she came to that election with a sense of optimism. Now, I know the the reality is that maybe Albertans are in a different mood than we were four years ago in terms of receiving an optimistic message or a, or a positive message. But, you know, uh, and, and that that's what made her electable. And so I don't know what polls they're seeing or, or why they feel that this is the way to go in this election versus, you know, that campaign of, you know, Alberta is a great province and we will, you know, don't listen to the doom and gloom coming from the other side type thing. Um, it's certainly changed. So we'll see. You know, maybe that's why they floated this now. Maybe this is if this is really badly received, it quietly comes down or, you know, it, it gets goes kind into the like, background like the um, grassroots guarantee the quietly election. comes down yeah <laughs> yeah okay very very quickly because we don't have much time left alberta party leader stephen mandel is in hot water claire clancy you covered this on friday I, night last I wanna, and saturday I, yeah <laughs> i want to talk about this because this has been my whole week basically <laughs> is dealing with this uh, story which has i think is super interesting but basically alberta leader stephen mandel um appeared on a list of ineligible candidates to run in the election, which means that he now has a on him, he has a five-year ban handed down by Elections Alberta because he missed a paperwork deadline to file his campaign return for when he was running for the nomination in Edmonton McClung. Five other Alberta party candidates are also on that list. And now individually, each of them, including Mandel, has to go to court and ask for that ban to be overturned. Um, Mandel's going to court on Friday. And it's been a really interesting week because this has it has a lot of layers for the Alberta party. Some people on Twitter, I know that Dwayne Bratt, for example, who um, kind of pontificates about uh, politics on Twitter, said that this is incredibly embarrassing. No other party faced this issue. Everybody else was able to get their uh, their paperwork in on time. If you look at the list, there are a few people from UCP and NDP, but all of them were people that lost their nomination. So presumably they just, you know, forgot to file the paperwork. But actual endorsed candidates, um, our Alberta party are the only ones with this issue. Uh, I scrummed um, Stephen Mandel on Saturday about the issue and also had a one-on-one interview later in the week. And it's really interesting to see how the Alberta party has now tried to get ahead of this. So initially, uh, they said that um, this is a legislative issue and this is what they'll be arguing in court is that the NDP rules brought in in 2016, they think are not fair and um, inconsistent. Um, That's kind of a matter for debate and it gets into the minutia of legislation. But later on in the week when I interviewed Stephen Mandel, which I thought was so interesting, was that he said, actually, this has only grown my popularity and um, people are, you know, coming up to me. looking for a silver lining (laughs) in a a big, big dark storm cloud. Yeah. Because I don't think there's any, I know they're so optimistic that the court is going to overturn this, but I, I don't, know what that sense of optimism is rooted in, honestly. And I think I that's one of the big questions that I've been asking all week is what's your plan B? And there is no plan B. If Stephen Mandel does not win this court case, they do not have a contingency plan for who will lead the Alberta party into the next election. And the election could have been called on February 1st. And that's yeah. what I you know, put to him is you could have already lost your chance. 
yeah. had the election been called earlier. And five years is a long time. You couldn't even, well, I guess depends on what points, what point I'm arguing here, but you couldn't even run in a recall by election. <laughs> yeah. No, no, exactly. Yeah. I mean, obviously I, I, don't, I don't actually believe Stephen Mandel that they don't have a contingency plan. I'm sure the party has discussed some kind of contingency because they may lose that case. It is possible. Or the judge may take forever to, dis- to make a decision. I, I don't know how this is all going to go, but if he is not allowed to run, that is essentially the end of the Alberta Party's hopes, I think, because how can anyone vote for a party knowing that that party's leader has no chance of ever serving in that particular legislature? I, and, and the rules are clear. I mean, in Alberta, for so many years, it felt like the Wild West in terms of elections and electoral rules, and people asked for some you know rules and guidelines for people to follow in terms of being as transparent as possible you know these are not unreasonable things and i know it sounds like there was various circumstances but you know there are some things in my job that have deadlines and things like that that i write in big ink on the calendar and those deadlines anything from elections alberta i know even when we expect to see Alberta elections quarterly reports. Those are on our calendar, right? So you would think that that would be something that the party would be on top of. Well, and I think that's what this the big question that people have is, is what happened that Stephen Mandel himself wasn't aware that he said he found out January 30th that his paperwork hadn't been filed on time and that he was facing this five-year ban. Um, it's also worth noting that the rules about bans were in place long before the NDP, but what changed in 2016 was that they extended those bans to um, nominate contests and so that's that's really what changed here right. I seem to remember though now back when Stephen Mandel was running for leadership of exactly. the Alberta party he missed a deadline for filing paperwork and I I did that story at the time and he's like you know we only just missed it it was an oversight basically and yeah we're gonna pay the f-. he was fined for missing that deadline by his own party by yeah. his own party so if you're gonna turn around and miss a deadline for your own party you would think that you would pay attention to the dates for which you have I to find file large things. desk calendars very handy. Very handy, Stephen. Maybe invest in one or two. <laughs> Maybe put one on your wall. And the other thing is as well, so not only has he missed that deadline, it's the second time he's done it. He's a longtime city councilor. He was the mayor for God's Three-term sake. Three-term mayor. How does he not keep track of this stuff? And I think as well, I, you know, one of my questions is about the fate of these five other candidates. These are people who wanted to start their political career, run for the Alberta party, and yeah. now they're facing a court challenge that they potentially could lose. And I, yeah, I... It's going to be interesting to see if all of them are able to get it overturned in time. Like, I don't know. Or like, at good all. Good luck to or, them. Yeah. And the yeah. Alberta Party has had some issues internally with its organizational skills because they also at one point switched over their fundraising record keeping uh, program. And that caused a glitch in terms of what people were donating to the party and in terms of what they were able to give to Elections Alberta when it came to recording their fundraising. Yeah. So, I mean, get your shit together, you know. Yeah. Well, the message itself to voters is that they're not ready you know they're, they're just not ready to govern and that that is that is what I, I I sense from this I mean in in some respects Mandel's time as mayor he had his calendar done for him and he had a lot of those yeah. personal documents done for him which may have trained him the wrong way that he you know he he just relied on somebody else who let him down in this case to to take care of those details for him but it looks particularly bad for a guy with that kind of experience to not only miss his own party's deadline, but then to miss Elections Alberta deadlines as well. So that's that's twice now that he has this on, on his record. 
Um, you know, maybe they escape this, maybe by the, if the court does overturn it and allows them to run, people will forget it and they'll get into the minutia of the campaign, the, the actual policies. But at the moment, doesn't look good on that party. Yeah, for sure. All right, we've gone way over time, but just very, very quickly, let's run through good stuff from the gallery in which we recommend things we've read or seen or listened to lately that we think you might also enjoy. Dear listeners, Clancy, kick it off, mate. I'm going to recommend a podcast Yay. that I listened to walking to work today. I've missed your um, podcast yeah. recommendations, Clancy. I know. I've actually run out, so can people, <laughs> can people send me suggestions? I'd your one last that. week was good. I was listening to oh, it. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. I love that, the dropout. Um, I've been uh, – so I listened to an episode of Star Talk with Neil deGrasse uh, Tyson, and he does a lot of different uh, episodes that I really loved about, like, he talks to astronauts who lived in space and things like that, mm. which I find fascinating. But the one I listened to this morning that I loved was actually an interview with um, Anthony Bourdain about food in space. Aww, and it was you, Anthony. Yeah, I know. RIP. Um, I really loved Anthony Bourdain. He's like a personal hero of mine. And I think to many, many people had the dream job that everyone wants. But uh, he anyway, the episode is really great. And it's a conversation with him um, kind of obviously before he passed away. Uh, just about food and um, food in space and how astronauts eat. And it was, yeah, really interesting. Very good. Keith, what do you got, mate? I have a uh, column in McLean's by Paul Wells called Canada the Show. And it has to do with this Justin Trudeau, Jody Wilson, Ray Ball, Bold, uh, SNC level and mess that we've been uh, hearing about and has dominated the headlines the last week or so. And uh, it's just a very good uh, take on the whole thing. A nice wrap up of, of the various uh, ins and outs, but also gets to the the whole history of what might be the real scandal here is just how these deferred prosecution agreements, which is what SNC-Lavalin is seeking, how those even came into being and, and the sort of the behind the scenes machinations that, uh, that brought that forward. Nice. I'm going to recommend a television series that I started watching on the plane on the way back from India. It's called The Marvelous Mrs. Meisel. Oh, Mrs. yeah. Have you guys watched so it? It's good. so yeah. good. I've been watching it on Amazon. It's an Amazon original. It is bloody wonderful. I absolutely love it. It's set in the 1950s. Not only do I want every single dress that the main character is wearing, it's about a woman in New York um, who ends up kind of becoming a comedian. Or, and it's just awesome. It's so well written. It's created by Amy Sherman Palladino, who created the Gilmore Girls, one of my other favorite shows. Love it's it. It's such a good show. It is yeah. such a good show. I've just introduced my husband and he's super into it now already. So Sarah, do you want to take us home? Yes. Um, quickly, I think I need to correct something I said last week about my good stuff. We oh. regret the error. I think I, I, I think I, I think I said that two of the columnists in the HBO series, I think I mentioned one of them might have been affiliated with the New York Times, which is, of course, not true. If I said that, I apologize. Uh, it was it was the tabs, the Daily News, the New York Post and uh, another the New York Herald Tribune. So anyways, sorry if I bungled my facts. I was losing sleep over that and I didn't want to listen back. So I'm just going to assume that I messed it up. Um, but I want to recommend I'm going to follow Claire's uh Claire's podcast theme and uh, recommend The Economist New Daily Podcast, The Intelligence. It is, uh, you know, if I, I've really enjoyed listening to New York Times as the daily every day. Um, they take a little bit of a different approach. They tackle three big topics. But as I look for more information about world news in a easy, digestible way, since I spend most of my time reading about local and national news, I'm really enjoying this one. And it just launched on January 29th. 
Fantastic. Cool. Thank you so much. Guys, thank you everyone for joining me, Claire Clancy, Keith Geryan and Sarah O'Donnell for another week here at the Press Gallery. We have another Press Gallery interview coming up next week with... Leela here. UCP MLA. And Deputy Leader. Yeah, I chatted with her, um, so that'll come out next week and stay tuned. We had a lovely discussion. Fantastic. So, everyone, do remember to subscribe and reach out if you have any questions, comments or concerns. And we'll be back again this time next week. Hopefully we won't go so long that time (laughs) here on the Press Gallery.